0: All right, let's be real about something. As we get older, get kids, pets, multiple jobs, it becomes harder and harder to find the right time to connect to your partner. But when you do get that sliver of a moment, you need to be ready. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use our special promo code, Armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com promo code, Armchair, to try it free. Blue is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Fans, welcome to another episode of the bird calls podcast. I'm your host contributor to the birdrights.com, Preston Ellis and today we're going to be talking media day takeaways practice overreactions Pell's hype videos going potentially too far and so much more. Uh, first up we've got Ali Cosell joining us in a moment behind him. We've got the prince of the protocol and proud father to two fur babies. Kevin, when's the last time we were on a podcast together
1: it's been a long time since you and i have been on one it's been a while since i've been on one period i was just telling david like when we signed on here i was all confused how to sign in because the whole format is completely different now but yeah i can't remember the last time we were together
0: sorry that was me i've still got a 504 number even though i live in new orleans and unfortunately you I don't think... live in new orleans i know the the person who uh who previously had this phone number, I think passed away because I get life insurance calls and updates like pretty much every single day. So I hope they're okay wherever they are and just uh, change their phone number. You just heard David Grubbs voice. I think it's safe to call you the controversial host of Hard in the Paint on 1280 AM. And of course, the man that Etwan Moore called negative. David, what's going on, man? (laughs) (laughs) It's a new
2: season, Preston. We're not going backwards here we're and turning would,
0: over a new leaf
2: that's right and I will never I wouldn't associate myself with controversy what I would say is that as people I hope have come to to know and possibly appreciate over my time here that I just say um what I think to the best of my ability and I'm never trying
0: to be controversial I'm just trying to be honest
1: uncomfortable truths it doesn't <laughs> mean controversial you know
0: controversy finds you all right you guys we can follow them at kevin beat for bounce at dm grub of course uh you can follow me at preston ellis uh we've got a lot to talk about you guys of course media day was on monday as it was for most teams that weren't playing overseas in the preseason and we had some pretty uh noticeable or recognizable or i guess trending type quotes of course jj reddick had a good one zion of course uh spoke beautifully again uh just seems like the right kind of player to represent any organization much less new orleans and then we had David Griffin. I'll go ahead and start with Kevin. I think we were all sort of anticipating David Griffin kind of pumping the brakes, kind of like Jeff Weltman does with Markel Foltz. You know, we're going to take this one day at a time. We're going to improve incrementally over the course of a season. See how these guys, you know, gel together. We're going to be patient, but we're going to play hard. No, no, no. He just threw fire over everything and said, we're out here to beat people's asses. What was your reaction to that, Kevin?
1: I mean, I, it didn't shock me at all. I, I think... That we, You look at the way he built this team and everything he said from the beginning is that we're here to win now and build a sustaining winning culture. So I I would expect him to to talk that way. And now when you're talking about him sort of fan flames, I think it's more about protecting Zion and the expectations on him. But as the team as, as a whole, I think he has a lot of confidence that this team is ready to compete now and to compete for a playoff spot. Um, I mean, you look it's it's a it's a great roster from top to bottom like you know at least 15 solid uh, nba players which is not something we've had and ever i don't think since uh the Hornets washed up on our shores um so i i mean it wasn't shocking to me it's what i expect from him honestly
0: all right let's pass this over to grub same question uh obviously david griffin Kind of resembles at this uh, at this point in time, like a professional wrestler, like maybe even a WWE manager. He is out there. He is the spokesperson for the franchise. He is pumping everybody up. Like Kevin said, he's protecting Zion. But everybody else he's touting as MVP players. He called uh, Derek Favors untapped offensive potential. He's just everybody's hype man right now. Is that what you've come to expect from executive vice president of NBA organizations?
2: What? Yeah. Uh. Well, over over the the course over the entire league, um. You know. Yeah. Most, just how unusual is it? Well, I mean, I think he's in that select group with guys like, um, you know, Messiah up in Toronto. Um. There's just very few G, um, GMs or executive vice presidents who make them themselves uh, out front uh, individuals. I mean, you know, Magic Johnson did it with the Lakers, but not with much impact. Clearly. Uh, You know, most tend to stay in in the back and let the the players and the coaches do the talking. Um, I think Griffin understood that coming in, there needed to be a shift in personality uh, relative to the to the way the franchise was before. There was a lack of engagement felt by fans, by reporters, by observers, whomever. And it is in year one, especially his job to create a new atmosphere. And he has to be the one who leads that because the failures before were so closely associated with um, one individual. And so when you break that up and you start bringing in the talent that he's brought in, when you start uh, bringing in the other people in the brain trust that the, the organization now has, I think you have to sell people. You have to sell the fans on what they have because they may not know. They've seen a lot of these guys one or two times a year. And may not understand just how how good a player is or what their skill set is. So you have to explain that. And then when you're talking about organization, what's your vision? You need to articulate that. And Griffin is doing a very good job of that. Um, At times, yes, it feels, it can feel hokey because it's so much. But at the same time, it's always captivating. Like you you can't help but listen uh, because of his delivery Because of the confidence that he has behind it, and clearly everyone in the organization is in lockstep on it, not out of some sense of of fear, but out of of, of, of an actual belief. So I think that he's doing a fantastic job with that, and I think it's a necessary thing at this point. If he's still that way in year three, then I think we have a problem.
0: All right, Kevin, I've kind of got a two-part question for you, so kind of answer it. As you will, uh, Griffin is painting Drew Holiday as the face of the franchise. However, I think it's it's fair for us to say over uh, over this podcast that many of the people that we had access to previously, we no longer do. They're they're keeping things pretty tight, lock and key, so that the only people you can really access are Alvin Gentry and David Griffin. Everybody else has a lot of red tape. With that being said, even though he doesn't want you know some of the members of the organization talking to the press all the time, he is, I think, probably involved in a. Lot of these athletes getting interviews with Adrian Wojnarowski, getting shoe deals, getting all kinds of sponsorships that maybe they wouldn't previously have had access to. Uh, what do you take away from his approach? Kind of shielding his players from the press, all the while behind the scenes helping to—I don't know—expand their image through sponsorships.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes oversaturation can dilute a, a product in a way. I mean, it, 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 it's you know, it may be a little bit frustrating for us can, that are local on the scene, trying to cover the team that, um, you know, want to have interviews and want to get sound bites from players. But I think, you know, the guys like with, with the credentials like David and Ollie and are are at practices and get to talk to players after, that's still true. Correct, David? I mean, yes. right. Yeah. So that's still happening. Um, but you're seeing, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's so much restricted, but it's, uh, you know, he's funneling it in the right ways and sending it to ways where a clear, direct message is sent. So it's always on point. Um, everything's sort of tied together. But you can't really say that he's he's uh, stopping them from talking. I mean, you know, you have two guys on the roster that have podcasts and, you know, other players are going on their podcast. So these guys are getting out there and talking still. It's just... Uh, I mean, and also it's early yet. So I think it's hard to really say that that's a a thing, but um, maybe I just haven't felt it because I'm not really out there trying to talk to talk to players. I'd like to sit back and watch and hear what they say um, from other people or whatever. So it's not really something that I really do often. Um, So I maybe just haven't felt it, but it doesn't really seem that way to me
0: yeah i'll I'll pass this off to grub and see his reaction to it there's There's a lot of people that I previously had access to, and now every single one of those people's uh answers are all universal. I'm not allowed to talk to you uh mm-hmm. everything has to start with David Griffin. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. run into that yet david uh i'll I'll pass oh. this off to you next yeah absolutely I have
2: uh, because you know I,
0: I host the daily
2: show, so I'm always looking for uh guests and especially you want people close to the organization. So you can have the most accurate information possible and have the most credible information possible. And yeah, I've run a bit into those same walls of just, these are the two people you can speak to and if they're available, you'll get them. And if not, you may not even get a response right now. So I don't know if it's, it's um, them regrouping and trying to make sure that they have a strategy in place for the season. Um, and, and that will change as we go forward. They're just trying to make sure that the messages are consistent and, um, you know, from from the, the organization. And I, I can fully understand that as somebody who's run communication departments. Uh, but at the same time, I think it will get looser um, as we go forward. I think that the players, there are a number of engaging personalities. Uh, Drew Holiday has become much more open over the last two seasons. Zion Williamson is clearly a personality who, who will be um, in a lot of places as the season goes forward. I think Derek Favors is somebody who will be um, that, that gets communicated with frequently. Josh Hart, as you said, is a podcaster. J.J. Reddick um, won't be holding his tongue, I don't think. Uh, so I, I think that right now it's just more about setting an early tone. That would be my belief and my hope. Um, and then as we go forward, as those relationships are understood, as Griffin gets a better feel for the marketplace, um, I think things will loosen. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's tight right now.
0: Uh, Kevin, let's go over to you and talk about some of these hype videos. Um, obviously, we've got that billboard in New Orleans with Zion Williamson, uh, just basically proclaiming that we do more as a unit. Uh, we had the initial uh, Won't Bow Down video uh, in which you know, you've know you got some actors in the video uh, saying it's, it's not going to come easy to you. And now just yesterday, we had a new video uh, basically dictating – we don't need a king in New Orleans. And meanwhile, you've got David Griffin kind of touting Drew Holiday as an MVP candidate, but it's a, a not-so-thinly-veiled shot at LeBron James and Anthony Davis for wanting to team up in Los Los Angeles. He also had another quote saying that if you need that kind of allure, then you're not for us. What do you make of all these hype videos, Kevin, and their message?
1: Um, well, you know, like I have a history of writing about how the Pelicans always seem to just slightly miss the mark on things in mar- when it comes to marketing and design um it's been frustrating over the years and then when the won't well, bow down came out i was kind of excited because i was like okay cool they're refer- i thought they were referencing mardi gras indians and i thought they were gonna bring sort finally a like not cliche typical thing that you always talk about into the mix and focus more on other things in the community but then it started to turn into like this anti-lebron anti-ad marriage kind of thing and i just feel like it's kind of lame i mean um, you know, it's kind of like if you have a friend that, you know, breaks up with their significant other and all they do is talk about that significant other all the time, even though they have both parties have moved on. And like the the person that they're with now is this amazing person that is so diverse and so wonderful and and so nice and caring. And there's this great potential for a match. And then but they're just still here complaining about or talking shit about their ex and their ex's new partner. And that's kind of what it's starting to feel like, which is disappointing because I think, I mean, I understand like that people are upset, still upset about Anthony Davis. And uh, I applaud anytime anybody wants to have some good jokes to throw out about anything. I mean, I don't take things very seriously. So, you know, joking about things like that are, are cool, but to make it like that, the fact that Anthony Davis wanted out and, 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 Uh, LeBron James orchestrated this whole thing to get him to the Lakers to make that the focal point of your marketing for a team that is, like I said earlier, just stacked with NBA talent and and it is the pieces to be an extremely fun team that is going to be very fun to watch and very exciting to watch. And you have this other talent and Zion Williamson who is like everything we wish Anthony Davis would have been from the personality perspective. Now, can he live up to it on the court um we'll see i mean he has obviously i believe that he will most people believe that he will then you have a guy like lonzo who's an incredible passer setting him up you have drew holiday you got great shooters and jj reddick josh hart's i think going to be a great shooter again you know you got Derek favors solid anchor of the defense underrated player we saw andy bailey tweet about, about his stats when gobert was off the court for the jazz earlier today i mean that's a that's a great player. We have a great starting five and we have a lot of potential off the bench. So I just think to constantly dwell over the loss of Anthony Davis and the orchestration it took to get him to the Lakers is just, just let it go, man. Just embrace what we have now. I mean, why think about those things? Sure. When it's that week, when Anthony Davis is coming back, if you want to relive all that, you want to fire off some jokes. um, Great. But till then, I mean, let's, let's, focus on what we have instead of what we lost and that's that's my opinion but also i i am very well aware that i'm very naturally cynical and also hype videos just and speeches don't do anything for me like like those drew Brees or even the demario davis pregame speeches like they don't mean anything to me the only speeches that i've ever been moved by are like bill murray's speech in rushmore or like um I don't know, the JCBD speech uh, that Jean-Claude Van Damme does in that movie, which is like ridiculous and dark or the BoJack Horseman eulogy scene. I don't know. That's like the things that I get inspired by. But I understand that there is a market for that. And like there's a big, uh, you know, a lot of people buy into that stuff. But for me, I just wish we would just let that let the Anthony Davis thing go and focus on what we have.
0: Uh, Grub, his sentiments pretty much echo mine exactly, so I don't think I need to expand on that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to... I'm just going to question you about the the three different uh, tangible items we have to l- draw from here. The won't bow, bow down video, the we don't need a king, and the all-together billboard. I think what they were trying to say is, you know, all for one, uh, you know, one for all. Uh, this, this sort of thing, we don't need a king. We're a team filled with kings because you've got all these uh, blue-chip, high-level prospects who are all playing together. But it, it does come across as... As a, a veiled shot at at LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I think we're all past that. So I think the the error here was when you build these series of trajectory, uh, sal, uh you know, videos, billboards. You want them to start at the base, and you want them to grow. So if you start, it won't bow down. The next step is it's not going to be easy for you. The next step is we're going to beat your ass, and then it gets all the way to we expect to to be in it, to be in the final four. How would you have done this differently?
2: I think the focus really should have just been on more so renewal. That's what new Orleans is constant renewal, you know, from the history of the city, whether it's flooding or hurricanes or fires or war, you know, civil war, all those things, new Orleans endures um, for better or for worse. And I think that that's um, kind of the synergy that I was looking for this season that, you know, that, Hey, we've been through this, before we've been down before, and we're getting back up. And you had that, you had all of that. You, I think the family connection is fine. Everybody's all in. You wanted that. That's that's great. But the real connection, I, I you know, I think you feed into a, a bad energy. And I, and I'm not typically one of those people thinks about those things, but I think you feed into this this the past. You don't want to go backwards. You don't want to look backwards. Um, and what you want to look forward to is the future. And I thought that it's been worded in a very weird manner it's been clunky it has not flowed well and i get you know people want to be defiant right now but ultimately the product is not about defiance about winning basketball games and for the fan base it's you know what do you care you want stars that's how fans are the casual fan always wants stars and you got one in zion williamson you have one in drew holiday you have no uh, recognizable names so to me the easiest connection the one that would have hit um, a home run to me would have just been focusing on, man, we're reborn. We're going to do this. We're, we're, we're completely different. We have you know new faces. We have a new energy. We have new leadership. This is not what we were. And, and I think to, to say more of won't bow down, And there's going to be a lot of stumbles and maybe they won't give up, but I think that's a different tone than won't bow down too. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's much more about resiliency The process and moving forward, which are are words that Griffin has used as well, I don't know where this edge all of a sudden came from. It doesn't ring true to me, like Kevin said. It it feels like an artificial um, pregame speech. And I, I don't think I needed that. I don't think most people needed that. I think what they really wanted was for the team to embrace them more so than
0: to be in a fight against the rest of the league. But that's just my fault. I think- One thing. Sorry, I'll I'll just talk really quickly, Kevin. Then I'll turn it over. One thing that it does do, uh, Ollie. You got a lot of background noise. Are you are you clanging pots? What are you doing over there? <laughs> okay, he's on mute. Uh One thing that I do, any any press coverage is good coverage, Kevin. The Pelicans haven't had a lot of commercials as far as uh, I've seen, so anything to draw attention to Zion Williamson, to Drew Holiday, is ultimately a good thing. Anything putting the spotlight on that franchise is ultimately a good thing. Of course, we want to refine it a little bit. What were you going to say, Kevin?
1: No, I was just going to say, like as much as I like to keep the Pelicans and the Saints separate, I'm very much into that. I, I agree a lot of what with what David said because I feel like, what the Pelicans are going through right now are the Saints two thousand six season, you know, and and I think it mirrors it very well, you know, new coach, uh new star coming in, uh new new rookie, you know, new face of the franchise and, and you know that block punt and the the start it all off. You know, if we have that some sort of game like that to ignite um uh this season, then I think, you know, it's it's really this is the building block for what will eventually be a championship contending team, which we've seen the saints become, but this is like that drastic change. You know, we went through the hardship, the hardship that we went through this time was not nearly what, you know, we went through with Katrina, but, you know, losing a star and having to rebuild, but then not rebuilding, just like restocking and reloading and just powering up and coming together. Like the whole community came together at that point. And this whole team is coming together with one focus You know, um, I think focusing on something like that would have been better than to be worried about what's happening in Los Angeles.
0: Phoenix Reborn from the Ashes. Speaking of Phoenix as being reborn from the ashes, we have editor in chief, the man uh installing tiles, drywall, yelling at air conditioning specialists, and hey you guys, he's lost thirteen pounds. What's up, Ali Cosell?
3: What's up, guys? How you doing? I am just now feeding my dog, so that's why the clanging noise is in the background.
0: (laughs) Well, we're all dog lovers on this podcast. I think all of us have dogs. Uh, Ali, obviously, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, You were there for media day. Let's go over to practice because uh, none of us have been privy to the stuff going on there. Uh, Obviously, you've seen these guys in scrimmage. We had uh, two teams uh, going head-to-head today. Talk about some of your biggest takeaways from the first two days of training camp.
3: (sighs) Well... Yesterday it was we we didn't see any kind of um, uh, scrimmaging, drill work, nothing like that. All it was was just basically after practice, the players that tend to like to stay behind and practice some shooting, talking with coaches, and really the only thing that amounted to was seeing both Kenrich Williams really going hard after when it looked like he was drained. Boy, Teresa Witherspoon she 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 looks incredible. She was driving Kenrich to his last ounce of his reserves in uh, completing what i look like to be like seven or eight three-point shots from all the stations on the three-point perimeter and of course lonzo lonzo stayed by far the longest you know his shot credit credit all the world to him because it's been broken right everybody's talked about his form you know ever since he's entered the league and how it seemed to be the shot was starting always from the left side of his face even even though he releases it with his right hand but Credit to him. He's moved it now towards the center, kind of more the center, right down in front of his nose, the center of his face. And it looks just to be a prettier release. There's no kind of hitches anywhere. It's just one fluid motion up and through. And uh, yesterday, the shot wasn't falling much. I saw a couple only spells where he made about three or four in a row. But other than that, he really struggled with the shot yesterday. But today, boy, he was really knocking them in after practice. As far as scrimmaging, we only saw a little bit today. Most of that was all really just out of timeouts on the sideline plays. So it was really just, you know, three, four seconds worth of scrimmaging. There was nothing up and down the court. But from what we gather, Zion has been showing off the athleticism. And as everybody now knows, he showed off one incredible dunk in front of us when we were there. So while we haven't seen it, the guys are giddy. They're all like, this guy's literally the mutant. And Even that dunk, you know, I asked a couple players what they thought of it. Like, It's not really anything different from what else Zion's already been doing or that they've seen before. So all the guys are really enjoying themselves, but they're all working hard. You can tell that it's taking some of the younger guys and the new guys a little bit longer to acclimate either to Alvin or just themselves. Because almost between every timeout play, kind of you could see either the coaches or the veteran players. And I was really just watching, you know, who's going to be playing the most next year, and that's either starters plus J.J. Redick. And J.J. and Drew were leading often those conversations with whatever they were saying. We weren't close enough to hear it, but you could tell that they were, of course, it's, it's big teaching moments, right? And that's what training camp's for. So we haven't gotten any really good stuff. You know, maybe tomorrow they'll start going up and down the court because that's when you start to see, like, what groups are running together, what's working, who's hot, who's not. So until we see that, we haven't really gleaned that much from the first two days.
0: All right, let's go back to Kevin, uh, because we've got a lot of questions on Lonzo Ball. Um, Chris Connor even wrote us a question. We'll start with Lakers boy. Uh, Basically, he said, how fast did your opinions change on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball after the trade? And I'm going to pose the question to you as this. We've got a couple of questions on this. Ali mentioned that his shot has changed, but... Just how important is Lonzo Ball going to be to the Pelicans' success this season? Obviously, you can can even start J.J. Redick alongside Drew Holiday in the backcourt. That might even feasibly work a little bit better than Lonzo back there. But they're going to give Lonzo the first shot at the starting point guard position. Really let him run the show. Brandon Ingram said he's going to dictate the offense. We're just going to react to it. How good does he have to be for this Pelicans team to succeed? Well, first
1: off, to go to Lakers boy, which is a great handle, by the way. Um, <laughs> like that. Uh, anyway, to answer his question, my opinion hasn't really changed when we were talking about the trade. And I think we've covered this a lot already um, at the time when the, the Lakers trade was first out there, we we're talking about a player in Lonzo whose family was saying they didn't want him here. And he was basically not saying anything to counter that. So it seemed like it was a player that didn't want to be here that we were going to have to move that has had health issues that can't shoot. Um, and then Brandon Ingram, same another guy who is dealing with a major health issue at the time, who also had questions in his game, who you also had to um, make a decision on immediately, basically, if you wanted him long-term because of him entering uh, free agency this coming summer, and then weighing that against other offers. And this is before all of those other draft picks got thrown in. Now in a vacuum, I like Brandon Ingram as a player. I still have questions about you know him being uh, a consistent jump shooter. I have, I hope his health issues are past him. We'll see. Uh, with Lonzo, I'm going to have to worry about his health, obviously. I love his playmaking. I always have. I think he's an incredible passer. I think he's an incredible defender. He doesn't have a jumper yet that we can rely on. I don't necessarily think that's a terrible thing. If it never develops, if it does develop, then it's a great thing but he's totally bought in and that's the big change that uh, as along with all those draft picks that got thrown in, that made this a deal that we're now happy about. Um, You know, just saying that we weren't, we didn't like these guys is, is not the truth and that we changed our opinions on them. Um, We still have the same concerns, but we also see changes in them and, we see how it fits the situation plus with all the other things that we got in the deal and how other deals fell apart because of other situations like Kyrie not wanting to sign Boston, all those things. Um, now Lonzo, I think he's going to, if he can stay healthy, um, which I, you know, I have faith in Aaron Nelson, but we'll have to see because um, he hasn't played that many games in his first two years, you know, in the league. Um, so it's, it's right to be worried about his health. I think, um, but i i think in the system playing fast getting to the room we've seen a guy like rondo we've seen a guy like alfred payton have success in this uh in this offense and those are two guys who can't shoot either and i think lonzo is obviously a better defender than both of those guys he's a better rebounder than those guys um i think he's uh i don't know if he's a better passer than rondo i think he's He's a different kind of passer. I think he's a different kind of player than Rondo mentally. Um, He doesn't bring some of the intangibles that Rondo brought, but I think he brings a lot more effort um, at this point in his career. So that's a plus for him. Now, if he develops a jumper, great. Um, I saw the new jumper. It looks better, but I also am not ready to totally buy into it yet because also I know how those things go with muscle memory. People, you know, as fatigue sets in, as season drags on, people start to go back to what feels more comfortable, more natural. Um, so we'll see if it lasts, and we'll see if it's effective. Because like Ali said, like the first practice, he was terrible. Then we just saw today he was nailing jump uh, jump shots. He was like 9 for 10, I think, I, I saw them say. Um, so it's a mixed bag. But again, I don't necessarily think he needs to have a jumper for him to be a success in this offense because – or on this team in general because I think what he brings defensively uh, will, will help tremendously. His playmaking will help tremendously. And I think having another guy in that backcourt that can let Drew not have to defend the toughest perimeter player all the time so that Drew can focus more on offense and can be more of an offensive threat will be a great benefit because Drew's never had a partner really on the wing that he could rely on at all defensively, you know, whether it's, at the three or at the one. Um, so having another guy that can just take the load off of him sometimes defensively and free him up to exert more energy on the offensive end is going to be a a huge boost. Um, so I'm excited about how it's going to work. I think Lonzo will fit into the system. Well, I think, you know, we've already heard about full court alley-oops. We've seen the out of bounds alley-oop play. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be fun. And I just hope he can, uh, Last, You know, I hope all the, the foot issues are behind him and uh, he has a he is a healthy rest of his career. And I think he looks like he's bought into the system here and he enjoys uh, the community here. So that's that's a great
0: plus already. Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue. But the truth is, it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I think, Kevin, pretty well covered that question. That was also from David Rose. I know that David Grubb and I have talked off air about uh, Lonzo Ball's relationship with his father, with uh, Big Baller brand. Uh, How uh, do you think that relationship with his father and with that company and kind of taking matters into his own hand. He said to Adrian Wojnarowski, he's changed. He's his own man. The birth of his daughter changed a lot of things. Uh, Interactions between, between he and triple B manager, that really changed who he was as a person. How do you think his personal life is going to affect his uh, professional life, David?
2: Um, I think this is a great thing for Lonzo. um, Ultimately having, having him get out of LA, where he had been, you know, high school, college as, and as a professional um, and put him in a situation where he's much more dependent on himself is, first of all, it's good for any young adult. You know, living on your own and away from your family is just part of life that we all have to go through. And it happens at different stages for each of us. But, you know, that's how you figure out how to be an adult is the, far the when you, when you have to depend on yourself each day and there are no safety nets. And there aren't any safety nets for him here. Also, his professional situation is no longer, um, you know, he's not walking in the door with the icon of a franchise saying, you're anointed as the next meet. You know, so the, it's it's a much different situation here. He looks around and he sees veterans. He looks around and there's not a situation where you know that they're looking to get rid of you to find a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis. David Griffin and and Alvin Gentry genuinely want him to be successful here. Now, whether or not that happens is up to him, and it's up to things that are out of his control as well. But I think Lonzo has the opportunity here in New Orleans um, and with this franchise. I don't know if he's going to be a perennial all-star, but I think he can be one of the most valuable role players in the league at the very least. Because, again, going back to when we first talked about this, the things that he can do cannot be taught. The things that he cannot do well right now can be improved. And I think that when you have those kind of special skill sets, you try to take advantage of them. You don't let those players get out of your hands without giving it everything you have to see if they can be successful. And I firmly believe he's the kind of player who has the drive to get at that. Um, I think this offseason, yeah, he did here that he's been a disappointment. He did hear that he can't shoot. He did hear that he's a bust. And and I think that it, it's going to motivate him, but more so than anything, he's a guy who's, who's who's used to winning, who's used to being a star. And I think he wants to get back to that level where his game is respected. And so I, I don't have any doubt that he's going to come in and give everything to the Pelicans. We just have to see whether or not over time it works. But I, I think this is a great situation for him. He's out of the major market. He's out of the limelight. He doesn't have to carry this, and there are people on this team who will get the questions far before he does.
3: All right, quick, you- guys,
2: I, I want to jump in here just real quick on some of the,
3: my um, moments I had from practice today in the scrimmage with Lonzo Ball. Guys, he's really taking to this team quickly. Um, they sang, I think it was happy birthday to Jim Boylan. He's one of the assistant coaches right after they finished up. And right when they were almost done singing happy birthday, I saw Lonzo kind of walk away from the crowd. And then both he and Lonzo were just like play fighting like brothers, right? Lonzo suddenly grabbed him. I don't know how he managed to get his arms around most of that chest, but he did. And you, you just could tell that these guys have quickly become friends. And then, of course, Zion, or excuse me, and then Lonzo, I saw him like not three minutes later, once you're walking off the court, Lonzo went up to Drew and asked him a question. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably about one of the last few plays that they ran. But you can tell he's already picking the brain of Drew. He trusts Drew. So I'm loving everything that Drew or Lonzo Ball's already showing us. And it's just been, you know, just a handful of moments on a practice
0: court. Ali, let's continue this uh, line of questioning. We start with Lonzo Ball. Let's get over to Brandon Ingram. Uh, Obviously, you've had some brief glimpses of him, as well as Media Day, in today's practice. And, of course, we've chronicalized uh, after the All-Star break, He had this momentous display of scoring prowess, uh, 57% from the floor, 53% from three-point range, averaging 28 points a game, 7.5 rebounds per game, just 2.5 assists. But a lot of the offense was dictated by him, and we've seen spurts of him kind of operating as a de facto point forward in the past. Uh, This guy does have the ceiling that could bring him out as the Pelicans' best player should he reach all these benchmarks that he was doing uh, in February and March of last year. How has he looked to you so far? He's looked good.
3: I haven't really seen him even have a moment yet where he's had the ball, had a nice important decision to make, and he made it. Like I said, we've barely caught anything but just glimpses, right? But here's one thing I will say about Brandoning, or two things. First, I've heard that there's some amongst the Pelicans that think he could lead the Pelicans this year in scoring that it's not far-fetched to think that he'll average more than Drew, Zion, and everybody else if he's healthy, which it looks like, by all accounts, he is. Second thing is, you can tell he's kind of a team guy, because whenever we ask him questions about himself, you can barely hear him, even if you're like three or four feet away. But when you ask him about some of the other players, he actually lightens up, sparks up, for instance, I asked him about Zion today, the dunk, and a few I'm other sorry. things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Brandon suddenly, you could tell his whole demeanor changed. So he definitely prefers, if anybody ever talks to him, ask him about the other Pelicans. Don't ask him to talk about himself, about how his three-point shots come along, stuff like that, because he knows what he has to do. He's a young kid, right? And he's been hearing it probably, you know, every minute of the day, being out in LA. And now he's here. Of course, you can tell some of the pressure is off. But again... I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of him personality-wise, because, you know, all we knew about him was that he was kind of just a very quiet guy who kind of just had not really reached anywhere close to his potential. Some were even using that bust but bust word, but until Preston, like you said, until those last 15 games or so of last year, where he actually showed he can do a lot. And like I said, there's some within the Pels that really think this guy could be one of their most important and, and their leading scorer plays.
0: All right, let's go over to Kevin. Uh Kevin, we've pretty much touched on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball at this point. I'm going to answer this one really quickly from Friendly Neighborhood Sabi Boy. He says, what's the biggest difference between first open practice this year and last year? Uh, I saw a direct quote from Frank Jackson just saying the energy levels. Everybody's going 110% at all times. Uh, These guys are just full out every single time down the floor. Uh, And he said that was a dramatic difference from last season. I think we saw that in the regular season, how these guys would – kind of take plays off or just didn't have the the energy in the first half of the season that they did in the second half of the season here's what i want to talk to you about kevin they continued to ask frank jackson about the rotation and he said that doesn't matter we just want to you know win ball games but obviously in practice guys are going to start separating themselves guys are going to start fighting hard for a spot in those uh nine-man rotations steve clifford at the magic media day said if you don't play guys a lot of minutes they can't perform well so, Kevin, right now, gun to your head, nine guys, maybe ten guys in this rotation. Who are you cutting out?
1: Uh, well, I think you missed the point of that previous question. He was asking about the open practice, and I think the open practice coming up Sunday where the little fans can go. Saturday, Saturday, yeah, sorry. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that we, had, we season ticket holders had to get tickets to ensure that they can get in. Um, so that shows you how much demand there is to see this team play. Um, so that's a huge difference, even though last year was also very populated. Um, but to get back to this question, um, I think Frank is definitely looking on the outside in. Uh, you know, I would have said Darius before he got hurt, but he not in injury took him out of that uh, already. Um, I'd say I don't as much as they talk up Ja every year. I just don't think Gentry is going to play him much, even if he's looking really well and he maybe will perform great on another team. I just don't think that Gentry likes that kind of center that he has uh, in Josh. So I I don't expect him to get many minutes. I would expect him to default smaller to Zion and and Melly at center. Um, And Jackson Hayes would get in there some too, obviously. Um, I think uh, Etuan's on the outside looking in, although, you know, he, he was one of our best shooters last year, years before. So, you know, there's potential for him to work his way into the mix, but I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him. And uh, I think Kendridge is still going to get minutes because of his playmaking and his rebounding and his ability to allow you to go smaller. So I, I think uh, those main guys are out. I think, I think Frank's really going to struggle to get minutes because um, he hasn't really shown anything uh, in terms of playmaking. I think he's an incredible athlete. I think he's got an okay jumper, but I, I don't think he has the handle to beat anybody off the dribble and really and and really thrive off of the athleticism he has. He has to be used more as a cutter, but and maybe this time they'll use him differently, but it is the same coaching staff, so I think it's uh, I think they still view him somewhat as a combo guard or a or a one just based off of his size, but that's really not what he is. He's really a super athletic two guard um, that needs to be a cutter and a spot up shooter. And I just don't think, I think he's an NBA player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player. I just don't think with this roster and with the way that you're trying to use them, it, it works on this team.
0: All right. That was from Bishop pastor RW. And uh, just talking about the rotation, uh, Kevin's got Okafor and Jackson Hayes off the floor And David, that means that there's going to be a three-man split between the four and the five, potentially, with Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, obviously, um, you know, Brandon Ingram or uh, Kenry. Kenrich Williams can slide into the four. But what that does mean, uh, Kevin's rotation, is that Nicolo Melli is going to get a sizable chunk of minutes, potentially at the four and at the five. Uh, Obviously, we haven't seen him play any NBA basketball yet, but what were your impressions of him uh, just in what you saw from media day? Uh, Obviously, he's finally starting to practice with these guys. What was your overall impression just from those uh, brief moments you had seeing him? Well, it's
2: clear he has a good relationship with his teammates already. You know they're they're inside jokes with him and and Jackson Hayes and you know now, um, so he's 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 adjusting well. Uh, the thing for him, as it is with the first thing that we always do with European players, is can he play defense at an NBA level? And that's going to be the thing: whether he can shoot or not. If he can't defend, he can't stay on the floor. He's so the the thing that we got out of Nico Miritich that we saw last year playing that again like Kevin said a hybrid four five role that Nico did at times um was that Nico was an exceptional rebounder we didn't realize how good a rebounder he was uh, and he was a better defender than we thought on the lo- in the low post uh so I think for Melly that's going to be the adjustment is he strong enough is he able to move is he going to get uh rebounds because offensively you know the concept is, with Zion potentially playing some minutes at the five um, in a Draymond Green type role. I think that the same thing is what you would do with um, with Melly is, is that you'd want him at the, at the top um, operating, looking and seeing the court, making passes to guys, and then moving and repositioning himself for shots um, or cuts to the basket. So I think offensively he's going to be fine because he's shown those instincts, um, and we've seen that on film. But the defensive side is going to be the biggest adjustment for him if he wants to get those minutes at the five in particular. The uh, four, I think you can hide him uh, with his shooting and I think with the other defenders that you can put around him. But if he's not able to get on the glass as a five and if he's not able to defend at that position, then um, that changes his value. But I think, again, it's it's hard to say anything at this point because like Ollie said, none of us have really seen these guys performing together um, and when you have you 66 know, percent of your roster being guys who have never uh, taken the court as an entire group um, it's it's going to take some time for us to really know what people's true skill sets are because I don't think they'll be revealed in total during the preseason because so much experimentation will go on uh, and there's so little practice time uh, I, I like what Melly brings to the table but i still think that there is space for uh jale in the rotation because though you we think of Ja as a traditional back to the basket we've seen him expand his game um, and he, his his effect at certain times and then certain matchups i think he does give the pelicans a strategic advantage in his his soft hands and his ability to create offense um, you know very near the basket uh, so I think there will be time for him. I don't think he logs 18 to 20 minutes a night, but I do think he is a semi-regular um, in the rotation. The rest is just going to be the perimeters far more uh, difficult to sort out than than the front court. And we've talked about that, and we've written about that. So, um, but Meli is in a good position if he can come in and defend. I've, they certainly have an investment in him, and they want him to stick. And so, like with, the same with Lonzo, and the same with a couple of these other guys. They're going to be given every opportunity to prove that they are who the Pelicans think they are.
0: All right. Ollie's got one question left in him and then we're going to have to send him on his merry way. This is from friendly neighborhood. Sobby boy. He basically said, who was doing the most talking on the court? How much do you think Zion weighs now? Who's the best ball handler for the gray team? Here's what I'm going to ask to you. Thank you so much. Friendly neighborhood. Sobby boy, just from your initial impressions, uh, like he said who's doing the the most talking who is taking on that leadership role uh in your eyes so far
3: jj reddick i think there's no no mistake about either Derek favors is a lot in the mold of drew holiday and we kind of always knew that about him just watching enough basketball following the nba for as long as most of the fans that i know anyways have but jj yeah i didn't know much about him before he came other than you know he was a fiery spark plug and That's exactly what he is. But it looks like with age, he's now 35. It's kind of softened him to where he'll crack a lot more smiles and jokes than he used to. At least that's what people tell me. So, like I said, I was shocked. I mean, Drew said one or two things. Like, for instance, in the huddle that I was really paying attention to uh, when Zion and Lonzo and Brandon Ingram were all ears. Um, But then, boy, J.J. Reddick talked for like, next two or three. And these guys all listen. So, it's great to see. One other underrated guy that I think the team's going to really start listening to. And following is actually Nicolò Melli. I mean, this guy, nobody knew anything about him, right? When we first heard the announcement, the Pels were signing him. And obviously, none of the players here in America probably knew of the guy. But he's really in that locker room like that. For instance, when they were singing that uh, happy birthday that I mentioned earlier to uh, Joe Boylan, uh, Nicolò Melli grabbed Zion around one neck. And then with his other arm, he grabbed on uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And they started swaying back and forth. So, I mean, it really shows what this guy and how he's going to be in the locker room, right? We've always heard kind of how Europeans, and that's why they've always, like the Spanish teams, for instance, always gave the American, by far and away, the best team ever, usually in the Olympics. The Americans, a lot of trouble. Well, that's why. There's a certain camaraderie that is exuded by a lot of these Euros. Uh, It's, you know, who knows as to why. Maybe it's the way they've grown up, the way they play sports, you know, but it's there. We kind of saw with Nico last year year before as well before he was traded away and I think Melly's got the same so I think he's going to be a nice presence too
0: all right we know that ollie has got to go thank you for your time Ollie. we'll get over to Kevin two more questions then we'll let you guys go uh Kevin this is from Clint White uh, basically talking about second round prospects that the Pelicans have attempted to develop in previous years from Check Diallo, Frank Jackson, now Didi Silva uh just in your estimation what what would you think about Frank Jackson going into into this season versus Didi? Who do you think is ultimately going to pay better, bigger dividends for the Pelicans in the future?
1: Well, you got to look at the fact that Frank is his contract's coming up soon, and he was picked by an, a different regime. So I think he has a harder sell at the roster spot than what Didi does because this 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 regime is the one that picked him. Um, I tell you, Didi looked great in, in summer league, and he's looking great so far in Australia. Obviously, those aren't good judges of what will translate into uh, the NBA. Um, but you could also say that um, you know Frank hasn't shown that playmaking ability in the in the summer league yet, or in NBA minutes. Um, So I I have my doubts about Frank Jackson being here long-term. And again, I don't want it to sound like I'm hating on Frank Jackson because I do think he's a good player. I just think that this might not be the right team for him. I think he needs to go somewhere where he can be an off-ball cutter, spot-up shooter, sort of a sixth man or eighth man, something like that in that role. Whereas here we have a lot better talent. uh, We don't have that. Maybe don't have his athleticism, but we have better overall talent from other uh, guards in this rotation that offer a whole lot more flexibility. Um, and I think DD is a guy that projects to have a lot more flexibility. He showed some playmaking ability, the way he fought through screens in summer league um, showed that he could probably be a, a you know, a, at least an adequate defender, if not a plus defender. Um, and then his stroke right now in Australia is looking fabulous. Um, so we'll see. Um, only time will tell, but, you know, I, I do think Frank's on the outside looking in um, right now with this with this team for the uh, long haul. All
0: right, we'll get you guys out on this, David. Uh, the Pelicans have a game against the Atlanta Hawks on Monday. I don't know if we'll be back before then. What are you hoping to see from this first preseason game?
2: I mean, anytime you go into preseason, the things that I look for are communication uh, between the players on the court. Uh, you look at do they understand the basic concepts that uh, the coaches' staff is trying to implement. Uh, you're looking at effort, how hard are guys working uh, when they're out there? I don't care about score, because again, you're, the lineups are going to be quirky, um, the minutes are going to be inconsistent. So score, those things don't matter to me. Um, what I want to see is, are you know, the, is this becoming a team? Are they getting the basics? Because I think you know, and Alvin said this at media day. The first thing they've got to do is implement this defense that Bisdelic is going to bring in and the offense will come because what they do is predicated primarily on what they do defensively, stopping people from scoring. When you score 120 and you give up 130 every night, that just, that's not going to cut it. And with his expectation of this being a top 10 or top five defensive team, that's what I'll be watching first. Who's guarding whom? Um, what are the concepts that they're doing? How are they utilizing players? And then, like I said, effort and intensity and communication. Those are the things. I don't care how many shots guys make, I don't, uh, you know, other than where are they taking their shots. Are they taking shots they should be taking within the flow of the offense? But w- what their statistics look like at the end, unless they're turning it over a ton, unless they're just making bad decisions, you know, I'm, I'm really not interested in the box score. It's much more of a feel thing um, for, for me in the preseason.
0: Ali, you're still with us, so I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, Obviously, Kevin earlier talked about the rotation, who fits in, who might potentially drop out. Who do you think the most is at stake for this Monday? Who needs to perform well immediately? Ali ain't here. (laughs) Ali's not here. I guess he just left his phone on. Okay, (laughs) let's go back to Kevin. We'll, We'll let you guys go on this. Kevin, who needs to perform well to ensure their spot, not necessarily with the roster, but just to get minutes going forward? Oh, I've muted him. <laughs> it's going well, you guys. This is great podcast radio. All You're right, going to this out. <laughs> I think it's fun for them to, to see what <laughs> screw-ups we are. Kevin, go ahead, man.
1: All right. Um, well, I, I think I already talked about these two players, and I think Julio Logafort and Frank Jackson have the most at stake right now to stick with this team long-term and to earn minutes because I think they're kind of on the outside looking in at their position group. Um, so I think those two have the most, I think it could be big for Kenrick. If he can have a, if he can have a big game and a big preseason, that could get him a lot more minutes because again, he's also battling for rotation at the four and at the three, um, that has a lot of players. Um, so he's going to have to out his minutes as well. Um, because I think, you know, Melly obviously is gonna, is high on their list to get minutes at the four, you know, Zion, we have him already penciled in there for a lot of minutes, um, and then at the three, you know, between Ingram, Hart, um, Ingram, Hart, more, more will probably get minutes there. Um, JJ, JJ, will get minutes there. Um, so you know, it, it's it's going to be a, a tough fight for him, but he brings a lot of versatility to his game. He's a good playmaker. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. So if he can show that, he can also shoot a little bit better, more consistently. I think you know he'll get a, he'll get some rotation minutes, and I think that's going to be big for him. But what I'm looking forward to mostly is uh, in that first game because I think it's so early that I'm not worried about everything tying in and flowing perfectly. Is just some incredible dunks because and, and passes because think about it, we're going to have Zion and John Collins playing against each other. You know, you're going to have Trey Young and you're going to have Lonzo making passes to those two athletic uh, bigs that can just jump like crazy. So I think it's just going to be a fun game. I'm not going to take the first one. Uh, I'm not going to worry too much about the first one because, you know, you well, we got like 15 of the of the 20 guys are completely new, uh, whole new system. Um, so you can't expect them to have it really tightened up just for that first game with only a few days of practice, really. Um so I, I'm just hoping that it's it's fun and we see the athleticism and we see some semblance of good defense and that leads to a transition offense because that's what this, as David said, this is what this team is built for, playing solid defense and scoring in transition because it's not built for a half-court offense. Um, but you don't need that with the great defenders that we've put together and the versatility um, of ball handlers to be able to uh, create the break and uh, score in transition. So you want to see a little bit of that, but I'm not going to freak out if it if we have a terrible defensive outing.
0: All right, David, uh, you can follow him at DM Grub. What do you got coming for us? Tell our listeners where they can hear you on Harden the Paint on 1280 AM. What times your show are, what you're working on. Tell them everything.
2: Okay, well, I got a lot going on. Uh, Harden the Paint does air on WODT Sports 1280 from 8 to 10 AM Central every Monday through Friday. And you can also get that on the free iHeartRadio app. Uh, you can go to my website, HITPwithPG.com with as well. And for the bird rights, I'll be working on player profiles of Julio Locafor and Lonzo Ball. And uh, I'm also working on a piece on that defensive strategy for the Pelicans. So those three will be coming up in the very near future. And... Um, I'm also for CrescentCitySports.com. I'll, this weekend is just hell for me because Friday night I'm doing high school football. Saturday morning I'm at LSU, and then Saturday evening I will be at open practice. So, if you're somewhere, I might be there.
0: <laughs> All right. Kevin, are you working on any pr- uh, player profiles this week?
1: I'm the Jeffrey Lebowski of this group. Uh, right now I'm not really doing anything. Chris is on me big time about uh, writing at the third uh New Orleans index rating and uh, a sequel to the movie. Um, But I've been working on a lot of design projects at the moment, but I will be going to the open practice on Saturday. So hopefully that sparks me to get back into uh, writing about the Pelicans, but I've been focused on other things at the moment.
0: Nice stuff. Thank you to our listeners. Chris Connor, Bad Guy Nova, AJ Vallon, and Swamp Dog had some great questions that we kind of covered. We didn't get to all of them. Uh, Thank you so much to you guys. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone else, for tuning in. Uh, I know you guys have a lot to choose from nowadays. All of a sudden, podcasts are popping up everywhere. Uh, More people are covering the Pelicans than ever before. But If you guys want to support us and our podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash Preston Ellis, or you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, I've got some more coming from you you guys if you uh, are into bleach report i've got some uh, markel Foltz reported story coming tomorrow i've also got player profiles for the bird rights on Etwan one more and derek favors coming up uh, as well as some other stuff of course we'll have podcasts coming to you guys in the next uh, week or so probably following the open practice i think if not then then by monday night against the hawks if you guys like what you're hearing we don't ask much share this podcast rate us on itunes we appreciate it i'm preston ellis let's go pals